Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. This morning's gospel is about ten lepers crying out to Jesus to have mercy on them. In Jesus' day, lepers were quite literally cut off from the community because of their physical illness. It was a condition that was met with fear and ignorance. The leper was to be removed from sight and isolated from all communal and religious activities. In Leviticus, the Old Testament book of law, it says, the leper who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone in a habitation outside the camp. Jesus is traveling through Samaria and Galilee on his way to Jerusalem for the last time. His disciples are with him, and as usual, people are following listening, and asking for healing. A group of ten lepers draw near, but they are careful not to get too close. They draw near out of their need. They keep their distance because of their disease. Their illness creates a barrier between them and others, between themselves and the community. But in the presence of Jesus, the lepers do not cry out, unclean, unclean. They cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Out of the pain of their disease and the depths of their isolation, they cry out to the Lord to have mercy on them. And he does. Jesus tells them to go and show themselves to the priest, as the law requires when someone is healed. And as they go, they are made clean, restored to health. They will also be restored to the community. No more wearing torn clothes, tattered garments on a tattered body. No more long hair hanging over their blotched and blemished faces. No more yelling out, unclean, unclean, from covered lips. No more dwelling alone outside the camp. But only one of those who are healed returns to give thanks to God, to Jesus. When we hear this story, we often assume that the Samaritan is the only grateful one. It was even suggested by someone in my story group that I preach on the nine ungrateful lepers. But I wonder, were they ungrateful? How could anyone be healed from such a debilitating disease and not be grateful? So the question for me becomes not why were they ungrateful, but why didn't they return to express their gratitude? I've come up with nine reasons why the others might not have returned to Jesus to say thank you. And I know for me, some of these reasons ring true in my own life. Reason number one. Perhaps one of the lepers was a literalist. Jesus told him to go show himself to a priest, and so that's what he did. Maybe it took him a while to locate a priest. Sometimes it's hard to find one. 
<laughs> Maybe he had to wait in line for the priest to examine the other healed lepers. By the time he returned, Jesus had already left the area. Reason number two, the idea of reuniting with family and friends was so exciting that the healed leper could think of nothing else. Can you imagine what it would be like not to be able to hug your child or visit your parents or have lunch with a friend? And suddenly to be able to do that would be overwhelming. Can we really blame him for reuniting with family and friends before he thought to thank Jesus for his healing? <clears throat> Reason number three, rationalization. I already bothered Jesus once. I don't want to bother him again. He knows that I'm grateful. He has other people to heal. I don't want to take up any more of his time. Reason number four, procrastination. I have so much to do today. I have to go show myself to the priest. I have to go reunite, reunite with my family. I need to find it work because I no longer can beg. I'll go thank Jesus tomorrow. Reason number five, the doubter. My healing was probably just coincidental. After all, Jesus didn't lay, lay hands on me or anything like that. Maybe it wasn't leprosy. Maybe it was just a skin condition that healed up on its own. Reason number six, fear. Perhaps one of the healed lepers was fearful that Jesus was going to require something more than a simple thank you. If I'm grateful for this wonderful life I have been given, then perhaps I have to do something with it. Perhaps I have to reach out and help those less fortunate. Reason number seven, maybe one felt he deserved to be healed. I have been ill for so long I deserve this. This shouldn't have happened to me in the first place. I was a good Jew. I went to temple every week. I gave to the poor. I kept the Ten Commandments. It's about time I was healed. Why should I say thank you for something that took so long and shouldn't have happened to me in the first place? Reason number eight. Another might have felt paralyzed. What do I do now? I have been ill for so long. I don't know how to live a normal life. And finally, reason number nine. Perhaps the healed leper suffered from PTSD or mental illness due to his long debilitating sickness. Do any of these nine reasons hinder you from expressing your gratitude to God, from living a life of faith? There are so many reasons why we might not express our gratitude to God. It's not that we aren't grateful. It's just that gratitude is not the center of our being. We often turn to God in a crisis, and we might cry out, have mercy on me. But when things are going well, we tend to forget to give thanks for all the good things in our life. The tenth leper, the Samaritan, may have been experiencing some of the same things the others might have been experiencing but he turned back anyway. Jesus said to him, your faith has made you well. In some translations of the Bible, Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. All ten lepers were healed, but the Samaritan was made whole. The other nine were healed, but they missed out on the wholeness that can be received when we live grateful lives 
and express gratitude at the core of who we are. Through studies done over the years, psychologists have discovered that gratitude is good for you. They have learned that gratitude is, it has a number of positive benefits and it correlates with higher levels of well-being and health. Grateful people report higher levels of positive emotions, life satisfaction, vitality, optimism, and lower levels of depression and stress. Gratitude often nurtures generalized compassion and altruistic behavior in people. Dr. Robert Emons in his book, Why Gratitude is Good, says, this doesn't mean that life is perfect. It doesn't ignore complaints, burdens, and hassles. But when we look at life as a whole, gratitude encourages us to identify some amount of goodness in our lives. This idea of gratitude being essential for a happier life isn't a new one. Cicero, a statesman, lawyer, and philosopher who lived around 63 BC wrote, there is no quality I would rather have or have be thought to have than gratitude. For it is not only the greatest virtue, but it is the mother of all the rest. Meister Eckhart, a German theologian who lived in the 13th century said, if the only prayer you said in your whole life was thank you, that would suffice. Living a grateful life and expressing our gratitude on a daily basis is not only good for us from a psychological perspective, it deepens our faith in God. It brings us to peace and joy. It gives us hope and it makes us whole. Gratitude that makes us whole requires action. The tenth leopard returned to Jesus, fell at his feet, and gave him thanks. Gratitude without action can't make us whole. The other nine lepers were healed, and I am certain that they were grateful for their healing. But they didn't receive the wholeness that only God can give when we live a grateful life and return over and over again to give God thanks and praise. My mother-in-law suffered from ovarian cancer for over a decade. She went through chemo after chemo after chemo. And after each treatment, her body would be absent of any detectable cancer for six months to a year. And then it would return. But Anne was grateful for every day she was given. And because of her gratitude, she helped start a support group for ovarian cancer survivors. She would do walks to raise awareness. She would encourage others who were suffering the same disease she had. She loved her family and friends with a love that could only come from living a life of gratitude. Joseph Fagano, an Episcopal priest, writes, Our earthly lives are a journey. Somewhere between Samaria and Galilee, between illness and health, between exile and return, we are all traveling along the way. Because of the frailty of our bodies, we will all succumb to illness at some point in our lives. Because of the devices and desires of human heart, 
we will all suffer from the fear and distress that separates us from our neighbors and from God. But rather than remaining within the darkness of our despair and keeping ourselves at a distance from others, our Lord bids us draw near, even as he draws near. He waits our cry for mercy, and he responds by making us whole, by restoring us to life with others, and by reconciling us to God. And he keeps scanning the horizon, looking for the other people whom he has already healed, who will realize one day that they too are already forgiven, that they too are already being made whole, who will return to him and give thanks and praise to God. This morning and every Sunday morning, we have a chance to begin again, to live a thankful life in the presence of God. As a community, we celebrate the Eucharist, the great thanksgiving. And it begins with this. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. But it is not just words. We complete it with action. We come forward to receive the body and blood of Christ. Finally, we are sent forth in peace to love and serve the Lord. And our response, thanks be to God. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org and peace be with you.